Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Miloš Novovic and I'm an Associate Professor of Law at BI Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own. And I'm Ria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting. Hi Ria, beautiful weather here in Norway. Oh my gosh, finally the summer is back, but it makes you think that winter is coming. Oh yeah. See, that's the part that bothers me about uh, living in Norway. It's not so much that, you know, the summer is cold. It's rather that when you have a rainy day on summer, you just know that October, October is around the corner. So, yeah. It is. Mm. So we have uh, had quite a few episodes which were very exciting and which uh, sparked quite a few discussions because, my God, was everybody excited to hear about our guest episodes Oh, absolutely. It just took off. It's been so much fun to get all the feedback and all the comments from people. And we have a lot of people saying that they are super grumpy about the GDPR too. Yay! That's so wonderful. And I think for us, it was such a joy to have guests on our podcast. I think that we have another super exciting topic to uh, discuss today. And it's a topic uh, which has sparked quite a few discussions uh, between privacy professionals. And the gist of the topic is that there are strong views on between what it means to be an idealist versus pragmatist when it comes to privacy. Yeah, or as some people say, purist uh, versus pragmatist or even fundamentalist. Those terms are so interesting, right? And I think uh, obviously you see them in different fields. And I think that they are very charged terms. They are so strong. And I think that you yes. know, people feel strongly about the GDPR, and rightly so. Uh, but the debate has been quite polarizing. And I think, you know, having labels in general, I don't particularly like that. Uh, labeling people as pragmatist or idealist, uh, I think it's wrong. Um, but I think that uh, the, the debate itself could actually uh, be based on a false distinction, is what I'm trying to say. Like on some days I'm a private uh, privatist. On some days I am. Um, <laughs> privatist a, is privatist. a new word. <laughs> I am a privatist on every day. Uh, no, but you know, uh, it really depends on what I'm working with. Some days I'm very idealistic, other days I'm like, yeah, maybe that part we can ignore. Yeah, and I think that is a key point because it depends on uh, your perspective as well. There's a huge difference in the perspective you take as a formal DPO in the formal DPO role versus your personal opinion and personal viewpoints, right? Oh yeah, and I think that's also why this uh, debate is maybe missing a few points because it's one thing to say uh, you know, I'm a very idealistic person when it comes to privacy in my personal life versus how you actually, um, what kind of advice you provide to the people whom you are advising, whether in a DPO role or any other role, really. So as you say, in your personal life, you're obviously free to, to do as you please. If you want to share your data with everyone, if you want to be plastered on every website, it is your right, obviously. If you, on the other hand, you know, want to sue your local ice cream truck because they didn't wrap your ice cream in, uh, you know, pure paper, it says vegan there, and that's Article 9 data. I mean, go ahead, do that. But um, you know, obviously, they will, yes, it's uh, you're choosing that particular lifestyle. But I'm very interested in this yeah. uh, kind of DPO privacy professional angle. What do you think about it there? So I think there's a huge difference between what I feel about my own privacy and privacy rights in general from a personal perspective, from a Ries perspective, versus what perspective I should have when I'm acting as a DPO for someone. 
uh, of course, we we are there to protect uh, the rights of data subjects or people, as we like to call them. But it's also something you do with your organization or the business uh, where you work at. So I think that you cannot be a privacy, what should we call it? Privacy purist or fundamentalist when you are in the formal DPO role. So why don't we just take a moment to try to define the terms that we are discussing here. So what would your take on a privacy purist slash fundamentalist be? And if, are these the same? Is it the same thing? So I'm going to give you a non-answer. I will say that there are degrees of everything. But when I, you know, in a private conversation with friends, say a fundamentalist, I would use worse words. I would probably say, you know, let's put it like a uh, zealous person. But in any case, when I use those terms, I usually refer to somebody who is stretching the interpretation of the GDPR to its most narrow, uh, most strict and conservative interpretation. To give you one example, like, um, and local authorities here are really doing an amazing job in so many aspects, and it's easy for me to poke holes in their reasoning. But I remember that there was this case that... Uh, I will never let them forget about somebody complained that their name was spelled in capital letters and they actually, um, this person who complained uh, wanted the bank, which was spelling the name on bank cards and other documents, to correct every instance where they used capital, like all caps, to spell the letters. Or maybe mm. it wasn't all caps in any case, it was a question of punctuation. And the DPA issued an order to correct incorrect personal data. That's an example of privacy fundamentalism in my book. But as I said, this is a bad example. This is a wrong example because I think there are degrees to everything. Um, I tend to use over-exaggerated examples in conversation like those. But yeah, people who basically use it in a very strict sense. What's your take on fundamentalists? So I actually, of course, you know me, I love my research. So of course, I uh, did some digging. And uh, some of the um, uh, of the uh, definitions of uh, purist, for example, is a person who adheres strictly and often excessively to a tradition. It could be a person who has very strong ideas about what is correct or acceptable. Uh, a person who wants something to be totally correct or unchanged. And I'll add links to these uh, in the show notes as well. And then when it comes to fundamentalism, it it's an attitude stressing strict and literal adherence to a set of basic principles. Often we, we think about uh, religion when we talk about fundamentalism, but uh, for the sake of this discussion, I think it's uh, a useful um, thing to be discussing because if you look at the GDPR, if you take a purist or a fundamentalist approach to the GDPR, it means that you will read the GDPR literally, like exactly how it says which we know is incorrect because you cannot interpret uh, the GDPR and the requirements solely exclusively from the 99 articles. This is why we have all those documents from the Working Party 29. We have 240 opinions and recommendations from the Working Party. Then we have about uh, 66 guidelines and recommendations in addition to numerous opinions and joint opinions and letters and whatnot from the EDPB. We have case law from the European Court of Justice. So this in itself tells you that you cannot take a fundamentalist approach to the GDPR. No, I mean, that's just common sense. <laughs> Not to devalue your opinion, but I mean, I, I cannot see how somebody could factually disagree on this topic. 
Um, yeah. Let me flaunt my legal background here a little bit. Uh, you know how proud and arrogant of a man I am. Uh, basically, uh, you know, the very basic first, no, let's not even put it like that. Let's say that if you are working within data protection world, you are working with legal texts. And that means that you obviously need to have or gather some experience in legal methodology, which entails on one hand exactly what you said, understanding that there are multiple legal sources and understanding the relationship between them. What's binding, what's not binding, what prevails over what. And then in addition to that aspect of legal methodology, you have to balance the rights. And in first class, every time I teach a data protection class, in the very first class I start with privacy is not an absolute right. So there are no legal students, but I just say uh, data protection is not an absolute right uh, because there are no absolute right. Let's agree today that uh, right to life yes. is more important than data protection, right? Degrees being a key word here. Exactly. So, you know, your fundamental core uh, right stops at a certain point, in this case, when you actively threaten the same right of others. So why would GDPR be, you know, the, this golden chicken, like I'm making up terms as I go, but why <laughs> would we give privileged status to the GDPR here? Exactly. And the, the funny thing is that people also forget the recitals. And I think I often point to recital four. And I'm actually going to take the time to just read it quickly because I think it's so important. It starts by saying the processing of personal data should be designed to serve mankind. Awesome. Uh, that was not in there. The right to the protection of personal data is not an absolute right. It must be considered in relation to its function in society and be balanced against other fundamental rights. This regulation respects all fundamental rights and observes the freedoms and principles recognized in the Charter as enshrined in the treaties, in particular the respect for private and family life, blah, 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 freedom to conduct a business. And I find this so interesting because uh, Recital 4, and please everyone, do look it up and do give it a read, because it doesn't only talk about privacy, a word that is very rarely mentioned in the GDPR. We talk about uh, data protection and it has to be balanced. Our rights and freedoms, they have to be balanced. And then coming back to the DPO role, it is our responsibility to also have that at the back of our head when we talk to the business or talk to the organization that we are advising. No, of course, because if you advise them to, you know, protect the privacy but violate other fundamental rights, and once again, freedom to conduct business, as you fantastically uh, mentioned from the recital, other rights, you know, freedom of commercial speech, for that matter, you need to have a more nuanced approach than no, 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 but uh, GDPR says I have to do this. So it does require uh, less superficial, let's say, analysis. So case-by-case case analysis in many cases. But I would also say that, you know, lots of this rights balancing is actually built into the GDPR itself, which, I mean, come on, GDPR is a pragmatist tool. There are degrees to flexibility, degrees to everything. My God, today we're doing degrees. But you get what I mean, right? Uh, so many provisions in the GDPR which give you flexibility. Yeah, and one thing that's been so heavily discussed for the last two years is risk-based approach. And we're not going to touch upon the third country transfers and surveillance laws, but I think the key word here being risk-based, it is risk-based. If you are absolute, it's not risk-based. So we need to assess 
the what are the implications how could this affect this and that uh, what do we need to take into consideration and then as a DPO give advice on what are the different venues that we can take here what are the different approaches how can we minimize the risks to the rights and freedoms of the people that we process personal data on of course and I mean uh, let's uh, if we work through this uh, through two hypotheticals let's say your goal is 100% compliance uh, it's not realistic we all know it's not realistic right I mean unfeasible yeah but let's say you do want 100% compliance you still need risk-based approach you need to prioritize your stuff right you, you cannot yeah. unless you clone yourself you're not suddenly 250,000 people you start somewhere and that is for me also risk-based approach yes and then I agree. I think from the other side, if you look, you know, your goal is not 100% compliance. As a DPO, you cannot advise people to break the law. I mean, you cannot actively say, uh, you know what, this is the law, let's just forget it. But then you can use this prioritization to say, you know, this is not the most important thing to fix right now. And not doing that is just being bad at your job. Yes. Uh, and uh, this is so I have uh, two things that I keep um, talking about to everyone when I, when I discuss privacy and data protection and the GDPR. So the first and foremost is that there's no such thing as a hundred percent compliance. Nobody is a hundred percent compliant a hundred percent of the time. I absolutely refuse to believe that. The second is that compliance is a journey. And this is where we look at the priorities, we look at the risks, what are the highest risks to the people that we're processing personal data on? How can we mitigate those? How can we deal with those first and foremost? And then we will deal with the other stuff later. But getting someone in your organization or business as a DPO and they say that you have to be 100% compliant 100% of the, at the time and you need to be that now that is not in the best interest of anyone. And uh, my, my claim is that if you had such a person coming into your organization and you're a, a quite a small organization with a few employees maybe, you would go bankrupt. You would go bankrupt if you try to be 100% compliant all of the time. And you know, now I'm being a bit extreme here, but it's just to really highlight and drive home the point that this is a journey and we work compliance, GDPR compliance or whatever type of compliance. It's just part of other operational stuff that we need to do. We have accounting, we have taxes, we have all of these other things that we also need to take into consideration if we're running a business or just even a non-profit organization. Wow, that sounds really pragmatist to me. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, I oh my gosh, I am a pragmatist, and okay. I know that uh, this is. I don't want that to turn into like uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, being shamed for being a pragmatist? Absolutely not. I wear that tag with honor on my sleeve. I think that if you are going to be a good DPO, you need to be pragmatic. Just to say, also, you're saying that, you know, uh, you're being excessive when you say uh, you get this DPO and you could go bankrupt, you are not. I mean, come on, we discussed, you know, the inability to get rid of a bad DPO uh, in uh, one of the previous episodes. So good luck with that. <laughs> but uh, my God, yeah, no, just reflecting upon all of the things that uh, that we mentioned today, I think it's never going to be, you know, clear cut and you have to look into it from different sides. But I think 
For me, one thing that um, I've learned uh, while prepping for this episode is exactly that, that the GDPR is pragmatic in itself. Legitimate interest analysis means that you have to be pragmatic. Uh, whether or not you're carrying out DPI, I mean, DPI itself, there is a degree of pragmatism there. How the fines are weighted, there is a degree of um, pragmatism there. Um, mm. All of these different things kind of imply to me that there is a big degree of pragmatism involved in all the GDPR discussions. Absolutely. And you mentioned a very good example here when we, uh, when we talked earlier about the Dutch DPA and their guidance on uh, legitimate interest from 2019. It has already left my brain, so could you please mention <laughs> it? Yeah, sorry. So this is the Dutch case where the uh, Dutch DPA uh, said that you cannot ever rely on legitimate interest to process personal data for direct market or not for marketing purposes, despite recital 47. So please look that up as well, people. And then uh, fortunately, the court uh, overturned that decision. Unfortunately, in the meantime, because of this uh, excessive and uh, absolute view of the Dutch DPA, the uh, little business, uh, they went bankrupt in the meantime. Yeah, that's um, honestly, uh, here is the reason why I can't even process that. Because if I had a student and we've graded together uh, on several occasions, but if I had a student, um, you know, working on a very simple exam question and they said they wrote there, no, there is no legitimate interest here because legitimate interest has to be directly based on the law. I would be like, sorry, this is a wrong answer. You're not getting any points here. Like, good luck. Um, just sounds like yeah. a fundamental mistake. Yes. So, yeah, there is openness and there is flexibility. I think uh, that, you know, as a community, we need to just realize that there are, um, there are basically different ways to argue around different problems. And we have to appreciate that other people have different perspectives. And uh, I try to be humble. I try to let, me, uh, let my reactions be led by uh, one of my values, which is curiosity. I try to take the curious approach instead of condemning or assuming and just asking for clarification. Because I think that our space is so complex already that we really need to try to, at least amongst uh, our professionals, uh, keep the debate civil and respectful, which is not always the case, unfortunately. And I think from a personal view, I'd say that extremes are never good in any way, shape or form. And it's detrimental to society. I don't think any uh, extremes of any kind, be it religious or within uh, our community or wherever, is going to be fruitful to any kind of discussion. I fully agree. And I just have to add as well that I, I would really encourage people to look to credible sources, to be uh, curious, but also a bit skeptical, like look to the people you follow and what they represent and just be wary about how you actually how you come across and if you're taking the absolute view and the absolute approach it could hurt your reputation and ultimately your career as well yeah i i feel like i have very little to add to that um i think it all kind of uh, goes back to this distinction which we started this episode with in your personal life please be as uh, fundamentalist as you want to be but then there is this divide between personal and professional 
approach to privacy. And I think that in your professional approach, you almost have a duty to consider all the flexibility which is in the GDPR itself, uh, without saying, of course, you know, you want to encourage people not to be compliant. And I just want to take up one last thing here, and that's that you mentioned that you don't want to be uh, outright labeled as a pragmatist, which I fully support. But I also feel that there has been the, almost this stigma around uh, being called a pragmatist, like, oh yeah, you would just sell out your soul and tell companies not to implement uh, things which, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, protect our fundamental rights so you're a bad, bad person. And in my opinion, that's just wrong because it's just as easy to build a career on being a fundamentalist, on being, you know, uh, building basically, you know, this um, pearl-clutching attitude of like, you know what, you shall, shall not uh, surveil me, Mr. Zuckerberg. Like, of course, I agree with that fundamentally, but I'm saying that you can get paid for that argument as well. So I don't think there is anything inherently bad in being pragmatic. No, absolutely not. Uh, As I said, I would be happy to own that if people want to label me as a pragmatist. I have no issue with that. And to be honest, uh, I don't care. I absolutely do not care what people would label me. What's important to me is that I feel that I am doing my job in a responsible way. And I'd say that it's irresponsible to be absolute around these uh, issues because that is not in the GDPR. It's not correct, it's not necessary, and it's not right to businesses and organizations either to take that approach. You have ancient wisdom, like the Oracle of Delphi, nothing in excess. <laughs> now but you I make mean, me feel really, really nothing old. In excess. <laughs> but you know, here we are on the grumpy GDPR going back to ancient times. Uh, so I think that, you know, who knows what's next, uh, privacy law of the Roman Empire. <laughs> Maybe so. And I think that we deserve our name today, don't we? We've been oh. super grumpy today. And I'm so curious to hear what do what do others think about this? So we've read uh, a few no- uh, things here and there, but I would love to hear what is uh, the opinion of our community? How, d- how do people think, feel and think about this? Do you feel as a fundamentalist, a purist, a pragmatist, would you rather not be labeled? Uh, I'd love to have that discussion and uh, we might uh, publish something around that a bit later as well. It would be amazing to have this discussion with the community and I will just say what I always say to you. Please tell me that I'm wrong and explain why I'm wrong. You know? Yeah. So thank you for an amazing chat. Likewise. And then I guess we will talk soon. Bye. We will, for sure. Bye-bye now. <laughs>